Welcome to the Select Star Podcast, your resource for innovative technology, developer topics, and more. Here's your host, Margo McCabe from the HarperDB team. All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Select Star Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I'm super excited to be chatting with someone you may or may not um, be familiar with or be following on social media. We have Siora Ford on. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for for tuning in. Where are you calling in from today? I'm in Philadelphia. Okay, nice. I've actually never never been there, but it's on my list. <laughs> oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, when you stop by, you have to let me know, and I'll tell you all the best places to eat and all the places to go and all that kind of good stuff. I will. How's the How's the summer been going? Has it been as hot as everywhere else? Yes, it's been hot and it's been very humid. Today, actually, it hasn't been that hot, which I'm like super happy about. But all last week, pretty much every day, it was extremely humid and like 90 degrees. So <laughs> today, this morning, anyway, it was like 75. And I was like, so, so, so happy about that because yeah. it's been like ridiculously hot. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I was in um, Vermont last week visiting family. And okay for the fourth. And we had a couple of days like that where it was 90, 92. And then with the humidity there, cause I live in Colorado. So I was like, I'm mm. so used to dry, dry, dry. <laughs> yes. It's like the total opposite over here on the East coast. For some reason, it's like <laughs> super humid in the summer. Yeah. But it's, it's sometimes a nice change. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. So before we get started, would love to just hear a bit of a background on kind of who you are. I know you're a developer advocate at Okta at the moment and an AWS community builder. I've been following you on Twitter for a while. Um, it looks like you're also co-hosting the Stack Overflow podcast, which I'm a big fan yeah. of. So now that the roles awesome. are reversed, now that you're on our <laughs> podcast. Um, but yeah, we'd love to just hear kind of like background on who you are, your journey in tech and what you're working on. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so I got started in the tech industry during the pandemic. Um, I had been prior to like March, 2020, I had been like aware of coding and kind of like did it on and off, wasn't really like committed to it. Um, but when the pandemic started here, um, in March, 2020, everything was like shut down. So I really didn't have any more distractions. I was like, okay, I'm finally going to like seriously learn how to code. So, um, I was in a program through Udacity for, um, cloud engineering. So, I was learning a lot about AWS and cloud computing, and I also was learning Python at the same time. So that was kind of like how I got my start. I was doing a lot of like um, writing about what I was learning to kind of get myself out there, get myself more involved with the com community. I joined a bunch of like Slack and Discord communities because at that time it was like every community was remote now. They were like prioritizing doing everything virtually. So it was a great time for me to be able to get involved because it wasn't dependent on my location anymore. So I was going to as many virtual conferences as I could, as many virtual meetups, um, doing all the like virtual communities and things like that, um, building community, contributing to communities, uh, and along with doing content creation. So eventually that kind of led to me, um, I met a whole lot of like really um, influential people who helped me a lot with what I was learning when I had questions, things like that. Um, I, this is also how I got like into doing podcasts, into giving talks, into organizing like conferences and events and things like that. Um, so it was a, like, it was a lot that was going on within like my first six months of me, like learning how to code. And by September of 2020, 
um, I had landed a role, a contract role at Digital Ocean as a technical writer. Um, so I went, when I was working there, I expected to be doing like the cloud stuff because that was what I like was familiar with and what Digital Ocean kind of has like their products in. But um, I was actually helping write documentation and um, technical articles on React, JavaScript and TypeScript. So I had a little bit of JavaScript experience prior to then. I had like dabbled in JavaScript just a little bit, but not a ton. So I kind of was like thrown in a deep end. And this is kind of how I got like my start in like the React like community and learning more of the front end stuff. Um, and like transparently, I have a love-hate relationship with JavaScript, <laughs> but I stuck with it because that was what was paying my bills at the time. Um, when I finished that that contract, I ended up, um, switching over to another contract role at a startup where I worked there as a developer marketing coordinator. So prior to me learning how to code, I had worked in digital marketing. So I had like a little bit of marketing experience under my belt. And then I had some developer experience. So I kind of combined the two in this role. I did a lot of things here. I did a lot of like email marketing and um, technical writing there as well. I ended up um, leaving this role because as time went on, my role became more marketing than technical. And I discovered after doing some reflection that I really wanted to hold on to the technical skills that I had built up to the, at this point. So I ended up transitioning into a developer advocate role because I was like, I really like speaking. I had done that a few times. I had done a couple podcasts, did a lot of technical writing. These were the things that I knew that I liked and I knew that I would be able to do these things as a, develop, as a developer ad, advocate. So um, I ended up moving over to another startup called Apollo GraphQL. Um, and I worked there as a developer advocate. Um, I worked a lot with GraphQL. This was my first, it was so funny because this role was like the first time that I had ever touched GraphQL, never worked with it prior to then. Um, but I use that to my advantage because a developer advocate, a lot of what I'm doing is teaching people who also have no experience. So um, being sometimes when you are like an expert in a certain language or field, you can kind of miss some of the things that beginners find confusing. But because I was also a beginner, it helped me to kind of like pinpoint some of the gaps in knowledge that other beginners who are for like, it's their first time working with GraphQL might have. So um, really enjoyed that role, really enjoyed working with GraphQL. Now I work at um, Okta. I'm on the Auth0 team. We were acquired by Okta. So I work at Okta now um, and I've been there for just over a year and I've really enjoyed it so far. Um, I work on a really amazing team. I get to do a lot more now with local communities since um, the pandemic has lessened a little bit in a lot of areas in the United States. So I do a lot of like local meetups in Philadelphia, attending and speaking. I do speaking at events. I have a couple events that I'll be speaking at later on in the year. Um, now that things that the pandemic is less and restrictions are less, I've been doing a lot more in person, which has been interesting because I started out um, when everything was remote, everything was virtual, every talk I gave was virtual. So this year has been like the first time that I've been going to events in person, the first time I've first time that I've been speaking at events in person. So um, it's been really interesting. It's a lot different from virtual. It's a lot more nerve wracking, but it's also really nice to get to interact with the audience in person in real life and also meet people that I've been a lot of the people that I've talked to that have helped mentor me, help like help me find jobs, all those kind of great stuff. I have been able to meet them in person, which has also been really nice. So, so yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Um, that's like a pretty like a long winded 
journey of my start <laughs> up till now. Well, thank you. No, that's, um, that's really insightful. And it sounds like you've squeezed a lot into a short period of time, as you said, um, for kind of making yeah. that transition, not that long ago, it sounds like you've had some really great experience and really figured out like where your fit is and, and how to best utilize the different skills that you have. And, and that's awesome. Cause some people, it takes them a lot longer, um, to really figure out like where their niche is and what they're happy doing and, and how they can combine the different skills. And I, I love what you said about when you were a beginner at Apollo GraphQL, um, that you use that to your advantage, because that's kind of like the quintessential, that would be like the perfect program for developer advocacy for like companies to bring someone in that has no experience with the product. And before they do any training or anything, just have them walk through like the setup and, and try to utilize and try to integrate and maybe even do like a screen recording and, and share some of their thoughts out loud. Cause that could set a huge ground for like what areas need to be fixed and where there's gaps and um, yeah. like give them a starting point on how to help their other fellow users. I think that's a, and then they'd be unbiased as well. So I think that's a really yeah. interesting, um, like it even gives me ideas on things that we could do with our product. And I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I think that's one of the, a huge value that a developer advocate could bring to the team. Um, because um, I think a lot of people think of us as advocating externally. So we're advocating for the product to, developers in the community but part of it also is to do internal advocacy so that means representing developer community to the product team so um, sometimes when you're building a product you have a lot of blind spots because you're working in it and you're not necessarily you're so close to the product you've been working with it so long sometimes you miss some of the pain points that developers run into when they're using it so if you have a developer advocate who comes in and um, they don't have a lot of experience with this product or this language or this niche. Um, they can very easily and quickly identify the some of the roadblocks that developers might run into. And having someone internally be able to pinpoint those things and help the product teams fix them is super, super helpful. That's one of the things that I really love about developer advocacy that I think um, is one of the biggest values we can bring to companies. So yeah, it was, it was a really interesting thing to get to do. That was like essentially what I was, one of the things, reasons why I was brought onto the team. So it was a good lesson to learn that early on in my developer advocacy career. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that's a really great tip. And, and also I'm curious when you were sharing more about earlier in your journey that you had so much already going on while you were simultaneously learning to code. I know everyone has their own methods. Some people kind of like put everything on hold and just try to focus and get through the learning to code, like the, at least the beginning of learning to code as quick as possible. And some people kind of stretch it out over years and do it on the side. Like, did you find anything? Were you, well, first of all, were you taking any courses or like just kind of doing self-taught and how did you juggle doing all of that while also, yeah. you know, actually progressing your career. Cause it's, I think that that's like, takes a special type of person with time management. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing, this was happening during the pandemic, like the height of the pandemic, when everything was restricted, I had nothing else right. to do. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> like, guess I had, <laughs> Yeah. It was like the perfect time because there was, I couldn't take any trips. I, I think I was out of work for most of that time as well. So I really was like, had no distractions. I don't have any kids or anything like nothing. So that was why I was like, I really was like, I'm either going to do this or watch Netflix all day. I might as well do this. <laughs> um, so I was in a program. I was in a program through Udacity and then learning Python. I learned Python separately through Codecademy and Code. It was like 
literally this was like just a super the stars just aligned so code academy at the time was doing because of the pandemic they were like giving away like six month um subscriptions for free and so i learned python through that for free and i got a scholarship at udacity so the program was free and like i told you i wasn't working so i was super broke at the time (laughs) so yeah this is what and that was like kind of my motivator because I didn't have much else to do. So that's why I was able to squeeze so much into that short period of time. But I also needed money. So I was like really trying to like pinpoint what skills I could do, what what like putting my name out there through content. That was originally my intention. It wasn't really necessarily to like build community or anything like that. I stumbled into that as a byproduct of my main goal being to get a job. Um, And that honestly, all of that was accidental. I didn't do that intentionally, but that has been the thing that has carried me throughout my career the most. But yeah, I was like, I wouldn't recommend doing things the way that I did them because I ended up, I did end up, end up getting burnt out at one point in time. Cause I was just yeah. doing so much. Um, I have a tendency sometimes to say yes to everything and kind of forget that like you kind of have to set boundaries and time management, and everything. But yeah, yeah, the main reason why I was able to do all that was because of the pandemic, because I just literally was like, there's nothing else for me to do. I might as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's good for you for, as you said, like, finding a way to be as productive as you possibly could with that time. Obviously burnout is scary and something we all want to try to avoid. And um, I think everyone at different points, like has moments where they just try to do too much, but it's been (laughs) so cool to see some of the positive things that have come out of the pandemic is like people created their own side businesses. And like, I have a friend that started a jewelry line and it's just cool to see that, that all these different um, like people really found a way to kind of harness their passions. Cause it was like, okay, yeah. I can literally do anything right now. So what should I do with all of this time? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was like a time where a lot of people got to like reflect on what they really wanted out of life. I know tons of people who like moved out of the city, lots of people who moved to different cities, mm-hmm. um, people who switched jobs, switched careers, because when you don't have a lot of other distraction, it forces you to kind of think about like, where, what do I actually want to do with my life? So I think that was a really like positive byproduct of, of that time period. I will also say um, I was very big on being loud about the things that I wanted to do. Um, if there was something I wanted, I didn't keep it to myself. So like the, the way that I got my first like podcast episode, on, like guest slot on someone's show, I literally just tweeted like, I would love to be on a podcast. And that got me on a podcast. Like, so those were some of the, I think sometimes people are afraid of putting themselves out there and it can be scary, but I didn't have that fear for whatever reason. I just was like super like obnoxiously loud about (laughs) everything. So if I wanted to speak at a conference, like my first, um, I keynoted, no, not keynoted. I emceed a conference for the first time last year. And the reason why I got that was because I tweeted like, hey, I would love to MC an, an event. I would love to try that. And so someone reached out to me like, hey, we have an event that doesn't have MC. Do you want to do this? Um, so yeah, that's another thing is like, I was able to do so much because I was like, I wanted to, and I would tell people what I wanted to do. And they would like, opportunities would fall on my lap. Because a lot okay. of times, um, as much as we want to do things, there are people who need people to do things so when you say those things people who need them will find you you just have to eventually get eventually you get to a point where you have to learn how to say no now because like (laughs) a lot of people will come to you like can you do this thing and that's when you have to like do the the whole burnout management stuff so yeah right yeah I mean it seems it seems like you have a lot of natural 
I guess, qualities where, where you've been able to build this community around you and, and maybe being a little more outgoing. And, and as you said, not being afraid to kind of like put yourself out there um, really helps. Cause I, I know I've talked to some, some people that they really want to build a community and do content creation, but they've just struggled to get their start or they like, they yeah. think there's already so many cooks in the kitchen and that it's like, how can you be yet another person talking about some of these same topics? And it, it seems it seems like the better way to go to do is just be authentic and don't try so hard to do things thinking like, is this something that will build my community or get me more followers or get me more reach? Like if you just, it's like, if you build it, they will come as you said. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I actually, so I went through a time where I kind of fell into that category as well. So maybe like towards the end of 2022, I experienced like a really bad depression and I got like super insecure about like everything involving my career. I was like, I don't think I want to do like content anymore. I don't know what I want to do anymore. Um, And I got like very cautious about putting myself out there. So I went from being like the person who's like super like loud about everything and like, I'm going to share this and do this like no matter what, where then I became like nervous and scared to do all this stuff and like super like second guessing myself and stuff. Um, And I, the thing that helped was I went to therapy, <laughs> but oh, also <laughs> I, um, I got into the habit of doing things in spite of imposter syndrome, in spite of all those thoughts. Like I have adopted this mentality where it's like, okay, I don't know if anyone's actually going to care about this topic. I want to give a talk on. I don't know if anyone's actually going to read this article. I don't even know if I'm a good writer, whatever, whatever. And I would just be like, okay, so what? Like still do it anyway, still put it out there anyway. There are tons of articles that I've written where I was like, "Ah, I don't really know if this is going to like matter to anybody, but I'm going to put it out there anyway that have led to um, future opportunities that have, that I've been messaged to by like message. People have sent me messages about on LinkedIn and Twitter and things like that. Like that was so helpful. So you just never know who's watching. You never know what that's going to lead to. And more than anything, even if it doesn't lead to an opportunity or you don't get like commendation from somebody or you don't get like a, a life-changing message from someone, um, it's going to be good for you because it's going to build up your confidence. It's going to build up your um, working portfolio, all that kind of stuff. So it's always going to be, end up being a benefit if you put yourself out there. I feel like um, it's, it is very scary though. I just happen to like be very uh fearless <laughs> like sometimes <laughs> I think I should have a little bit more caution but I did experience a time where I was like very insecure about doing all those things and so I just had to get back into the habit of little by little like start and I started small um I didn't like go from not doing any content to like doing YouTube videos and everything no I like started out by like little by little tweeting things that were technical again I would like tweet about like something I was working on or tweet about something I learned and eventually that built up to me again giving like lightning talks that are like just 10 minutes um but it's like an easier starting point than a full talk and then moving on to talks and then moving on to etc cetera, etc cetera. so start small i would say start small um because doing like a youtube video and a blog and talks all at the same time is very intimidating but starting small can definitely help um offset that right yeah i mean i think that makes sense and and as you said it's kind of like, what's the worst that can happen if when you put yourself out there? Cause that's, I mean, one thing that I do, you know, at HarperDB where I am is like, look for content creators that we can hire for like one-off projects, or we have some technical writers that we work with often. And mm-hmm. I've found a lot of these people just by they've posted on Twitter or LinkedIn or somewhere. Like I'd love to try, just as you said, I'd love to try out 
doing some like content creation on the side, or I'd love to try X, Y, Z. And, and I don't usually base whether we work with them off of like how many followers they have or yeah anything like that. So I, like all based off of their skill set, and I'll usually save them in a list and be like, okay, when we need some sort of content on this specific topic, here's a person to reach out to because they expressed interest. And so I think, um, as you said, it's like, the, there's not much bad that can come from it. And I think even if you don't see a lot of action happening from it right away, you're at least getting your name out there. And like, you don't know who's seeing it and who's maybe going to reach out in a couple months or something. And so yeah, absolutely. Cool to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like a big proponent of doing things publicly because um, people don't know what you know. They don't know what you can do until you put it out there. Um, yeah. And there, it could be even like small things is like, uh, answering a question on Stack Overflow, you never know who's like looking at those things. Uh, doing a small commit for an open source project, like you, you literally never know who's seeing those things and what that could lead to. And like, of course, not. It's not always going to lead to like the biggest, most grandest, glamorous like opportunities in the future. But a lot of times, it like long run does. Like my whole career has literally centered around. I did this thing that was like super insignificant that I thought was super insignificant, <laughs> yeah. insignificant that someone saw that someone else saw. And then they reached out to me like, it always goes like that. So, so yeah, it's like, you know, you never know, you never know. So it's always good to to put yourself out there publicly when you can. And like I said, if you just start small, eventually it'll get less and less scary. Yeah. Yeah. So I was curious, is that how you, um, got the opportunity to be a co-host on the stack overflow podcast? I, I mean, I know that's obviously a pretty big name a couple of our founders were on that show a, a while like over a year ago now and I know that yeah they were so so excited like it was a huge day and that they um were just so happy to be asked to be on so is that is that kind of how that opportunity came to you yes. through like you put it out there said something about wanting to co-host yes. and then they reached out so that was like such a funny thing I that's like I do obviously I think I've mentioned before also I missed the episode that your founders were on um I remember oh, like that's okay. it, it was a it was schedule. a while ago now I can't even yeah. remember I can I think see I was like at the time or something it was like a scheduled conflict but um I deal with a lot of imposter syndrome and that's like one of those opportunities where I'm like how did I get here like what is going on <laughs> yeah so <laughs> what happened was the um folks over at Stack Overflow have had this podcast for years now um and they wanted to change their co-hosts to reflect what the tech industry looks like now. So, um, you know, different genders, different racial backgrounds, that kind of thing. So um, one of the co-hosts, I knew her like through, I think we interacted on Twitter and I met her through a virtual conference that I was like moderating the discord for literally in 2020. It was a conference called Women in React, I think. I didn't even know what React was at the time, but they were like looking for moderators for the the Discord chat. And I was like, sure, I'll do it. Like, I'm not doing anything else, whatever. And I met her through that. And we ended up becoming like mutuals on Twitter. And we like would talk every now and then. And like she would share content and I would share, reshare it, that kind of thing. Um, and then she like DM'd me like, would you be interested in like doing a podcasting? And I was like, uh, sure. And she was like, okay, you'll be getting an email from someone like soon. I didn't know it was somebody from Stack Overflow. Oh, so, that's so funny. Yeah. So they <laughs> at least you agreed me. to it either way. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, because I love podcasts. I like they're so fun to me. So when I had a meeting with this guy and it's his 
email address was at stackoverflow.com. I'm like, what? So <laughs> I had a conversation with him and then had the first, ep- like recorded the first couple episodes. And then I've been on it like since I think like September of 2021, I want to say. Oh, wow. Um, awesome. So yeah, it's like literally, that's why I say like putting yourself out there is going to lead to stuff. All, like yeah. it just happens and you never know. Like I never, when I accepted doing that moderator thing years ago, like I was not thinking like, I'm going to end up on the Stack Overflow podcast from this. Yeah. No, I wasn't thinking that <laughs> at all. But like, these are the kind of interactions that you get and the kind of opportunities that that come from these things. And like, yeah, so 100%, like that, this is why I say that because I'm like living proof that it really does happen. Yeah, I love that. That's that's really cool. I, I feel like a lot of people- that I talk to that are in the community have similar stories. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if you go out too much searching for something, you might have the opposite effect, but it's just like, be yourself and do the things that interest you or the things you want to learn about. And that's how you can kind of connect with the right people. And so I think that's one of the great, as much as a lot of people love to complain about social media and, and <laughs> their online um, communities, I think that is one of the great things about it. So yeah, that's, that's really cool. For sure. For sure. It like opens you up to opportunities that you probably wouldn't know of otherwise, especially um, since we're no longer bound to like location and things like that. So 100% agreed. Exactly. Awesome. Well, so I'm also curious what it's like now in your role at Okta. Like, did you have experience before insecurity? Did you have a, a similar experience where it was kind of like you were learning as you go? Is that different from what you thought you'd be doing when you first learned how to code? Absolutely. I did not think I would be here when I first learned. Yeah. First of all. Um, but I had um I had interviewed with Auth Zero like around before when I got hired at uh I believe before I got hired at Digital Ocean because I saw the like I had known interacted with a couple of the developer advocates who worked there at the time and I was like, Auth Zero seems like such a cool place. Um, and didn't get the job because I didn't have enough experience at the time. But mm-hmm. when I was looking for a developer advocate role again, um, someone I knew who I knew through Twitter, we had worked on a like a contract role together for like a little startup before. And so he was like, you should definitely apply for this role. And I was like, okay, sure. And this was around when Auth0 had just been acquired by Okta. So that's why it says that I'm, um, I work at Okta now, but it's technically kind of like off zero but like okay. required, so it's like weird now but yeah yeah so, um <laughs> before when I interviewed I had no experience with anything involving identity security like whatsoever I was aware of what off zero does but I didn't like never worked with it never used it like didn't know anything um and again I did that whole thing of like this is could be my advantage to be honest so yeah <laughs> um when I I went through the interview process there I it was it was like honestly again the the stars just aligned like I like I said I I knew someone who had worked there um from like a previous job and I got a chance to talk with the person who is my manager now and this was like before I even applied because I was like really like I knew I was at a point where I was like getting really close to being burnt out. And I was like, I really wanted to, I had like very specific stipulations for what I wanted my next role to be. I wanted to be on a team that was like very stable. I wanted to be somewhere where I wouldn't have to like constantly be worried about like my job security or like my team structure, things like that. 
Um, and I wanted to have a good manager. I wanted someone who would be able to like mentor me and help me grow and reach senior. So I was telling him all this stuff about like what my experience had been like in the tech industry thus far and like what I was looking for. And so he was like, I really think you should, should apply. Cause I was like, I don't know if I'm going to apply yet. And he was like, I really think you should. So I did. And I went through the interview process. Um, and the work that this is like probably my favorite job I've had so far. Um, like I said, this is my first time doing like in real life advocacy. So this is my first time I have never traveled this much in my life. <laughs> I like feel like I know the Philadelphia airport, like the back of my hand now, because I feel like I'm always there. <laughs> um, but I've been able to do like talks and workshops and I've been to, I've mentored at hackathons and I've done all kinds of things that I never would have imagined I would be doing. Um, and it's extremely gratifying because I specifically asked that I could focus on emerging developers. And what I mean when I say emerging developers, I mean, early career developers, people who are learning how to code career switchers or people who are within their like first one to two years of their career. And so because of that, the work that I do is extremely impactful. I do a lot of like workshops with boot camps. Um, when I do meetups, I specifically always make sure to mention like, if you're early career, come talk to me and I'll like try to help you like figure out what your next steps are, yada, yada, yada. Um, and it has been extremely gratifying because you get to help people at a time that is extremely pivotal in their career. And so I think too, being like a black woman who's in tech, like, speaks volumes to a lot of people it's very inspiring for a lot of people so I really really love the work that I do now um yeah it's like there's nothing like the enthusiasm that people who are trying to get into tech have like college (laughs) students boot camp grads like they all are so enthusiastic about building stuff and like they're just like the best people to talk to because sometimes people get a little like jaded you know when they've been in the tech industry for a long time but when they're new and they're fresh like oh my gosh they're just like the best people to talk to I think um one of my two, so my two favorite events that I've done to date, number one was a hackathon I did um, that was put on by the University of Santa Clara in California. And that was like my favorite, one of my favorite events because these college students were like so enthusiastic to learn. They kept coming up to me to talk to me and stuff like that. We like, I had some like um, merch and swag and everything there all of it was going by the end of it like college (laughs) students they were just like so cool to talk to very attentive asking questions and sometimes when you go to events that are attended by mostly people who are already professionals you don't get that same level of like enthusiasm so it was really refreshing and then also I did an event a local event um, here in Philadelphia last month yes last month it was a meetup and it was so much fun. It was so much fun getting to talk to people like local developers and a lot of people who are like getting started and all that kind of good stuff. Just a very great experience. Um, this is my first time also like focusing more on the the smaller local communities. I think a lot of times in DevRel, we tend to like shoot really big for the big conferences with yeah. thousands, of, thousands of attendees and things like that. Um, but there is so much you can gain from engaging with the smaller communities. One thing that I've been doing this year is when I go to a conference, um, I'll try to arrange to attend or speak and or speak at a local meetup as well. So I went to a conference in Atlanta and then I spoke at a meetup, a local meetup in Atlanta where it's like maybe like 50 people come, but the engagements you get are just so, those are the things that like keep me motivated to keep going um, because you build those like, interpersonal relationships that are really 
important in DevRel that sometimes we forget about. So I've really enjoyed this job so far. I know this is like me rambling, but (laughs) but I've been working on a lot of things that are like very interesting. And like, I just really, um, I like the way that I'm learning how to do DevRel in my style that I really enjoy. So it's making the job even more enjoyable for me. So I'm really having fun so far. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, congrats. I mean, I think it thank you. It like speaks volumes that you're that passionate about it and that you found an organization that lets you do, you know, as you said, those smaller types of events where you can really have those one-on-one interactions. I know I've reached out to speakers in the past and it's probably not their decision. It's usually the company's decision, but they've kind of said like, oh, well, I can only speak at events that have a minimum of X amount of attendees. And, Mm. and it's always like, it's kind of a bummer when people are kind of unreachable. I understand everyone gets to maybe a point in their career where they are getting asked all the time and they have to, as you said, prevent that burnout, but it's cool that you can do like a little bit of both with what you're doing and have that experience of both. And it sounds like the engagements that the experiences you're having in like conference conversations you're having, it doesn't have to be so much around auth zero it, it sounds like some people are asking you about like career advice and just kind of your journey and like how to break into tech and i think that that's kind of an organic way to do yeah. and, and developer advocacy that people struggle with where like you don't have to be shoving what you're doing down people's throats if you have a good interaction with someone and you help them they might then later on look you up and be like oh well she didn't even mention that she's at this company representing this product like maybe i should check it out and i think that that's yeah. like cool way to go about it too yeah it's like um it's a very like long tail kind of process right so even with like um doing uh doing work at a hackathon right most companies are not interested in college students because college students don't have money or jobs so they're not thinking of them as being the ones who are going to handle software licenses and things like that so they don't really want to like invest in that community but for me, I think about it like this. Um, I I did give a workshop there that had to do with Auth0, but most of what I was talking about with like the attendees was like helping them with their projects, helping them debug, and a lot about resumes and getting your first job and technical interviews and how to get good at doing technical interviews. Um, and the whole time they are aware that I work for Okta. I have on my Okta shirt and everything like that, but I'm not really being like, Okta is the best. And like, you know, I'm not an Okta commercial. Yeah. But <laughs> when they, eventually when they start their careers, they will always have that positive impression of Okta in their minds because of their interactions with me. And so years from now, when these people are senior developers, developer managers, things like that, they're going to think of Okta positively. So like, those are the kind of like investments that we're making. And I think, you know, businesses still run to make money. So it can be hard to like prove the value of those things. That's why I like to do these as like a side quest kind of for the larger event. So like um, attending a larger event, giving a talk there that is about off zero or Okta and that like satisfies the, the higher ups. And they think like, yeah, this is definitely worth it. But I can still get those like, um, the more quality interactions by doing the meetups on the side right? Um, that normally like my, my company would, wouldn't pay for me to go to Atlanta, to go to a meetup with 50 people. But that's like a side thing I do in addition to going to the event that has a thousand people. Right. So 
for me, those are the, the meetup, the smaller events are my favorite. So I figured out a way to kind of like work them into my work. Yeah. Um, and a lot That's of times so too, like doing them in Philadelphia means that I don't have to worry about any kind of like travel or anything. And it's great because I get to basically soft launch my talks, which is super helpful. Cause I get to like test them out and meet up audiences tend to be like very like engaging and they're very kind and like forgiving so if you mess up they're not going to like throw tomatoes or anything like that <laughs> so it gives me a chance to like um test out a talk or a workshop that I have and see like where are the kinks at where do I need to like improve the wording and, or change the slides and things like that um which to me is like very helpful and in addition to that I also get like the the wonderful interactions where I meet people and all that kind of great stuff so I have to like preach the gospel of going to meet up so that more people <laughs> endeavor I'll do it because it's very like I think it's an underrated thing that we've kind of forgotten especially since the pandemic and everything um that I hope that more people get back to yeah I, I mean that's a great reminder and I like there's there's a couple meetups in the Denver area where they mm. get together and try to do like a happy hour or a coffee once a month or even every couple months and um, I think sometimes they have speakers and sometimes they don't. And it's just sometimes like I put those things on my calendar and I'm like, oh, do I really <laughs> want to do this after work or should I just go home? And like, I think once you do go though, it, as you said, it ends up being a way better interaction than what you expect. And it's, it's yeah. cool because like when you do that in your local community, then you start running into the same people and, and then you can start to build connections that way. And like, it's, yeah. it starts to feel like a smaller smaller than it you might seem when you first get started when it seems so intimidating and then you start to run yeah. people at the big conferences because I'm assuming the Atlanta conference you're talking about is render ATL which yeah like, it was it like everyone <laughs> yeah. that I follow has been talking about the last couple of years and I really want to go and it's like everyone says you start to then run into all the same people at those types of conferences and and so it's like yeah just start small and then before you know it you'll be speaking on stage if that's what you want to do or like being yeah. a, or a mentor or whatever it might be yeah and these are like the, the remember earlier I talked about like starting small these are the things that like the building blocks that might seem small that might seem insignificant that end up helping you a lot like I have become much more confident in my speaking abilities from doing these meetups um, because honestly when you're talking to a bunch of students or when you're talking to developers who are local to your city they're so nice. They're so <laughs> engaging and they're so like, they're not intimidating at all. Um, I, when I spoke at the meetup in Philadelphia, that, that was like the most engaging audience I've ever spoken to. So like when I re-give that talk at a larger conference, I'm going to feel confident in the fact that it's a good talk, no matter what the response is. Sometimes when you go to larger conferences, people aren't as like engaged or sometimes like you're right. so far in front of everybody. You can't really see everybody's like yeah. facial reactions and stuff. Um, so having that like in the in my back pocket that experience in my back pocket always makes me feel like better about my my speaking abilities and stuff so even like I feel like with meetups it's one of those things where it doesn't really matter what the outcome is it's always going to have a positive effect um even like another thing was like I I'm really really big on those like small human interactions because they always like they're so positive when I went to render renders like a huge conference right like I think they have like 2,000 attendees or something like that and Am I lying? I think it's like that many people though. It's seems so large and so intimidating and there's so many people. Um, it can be hard to like uh, kind of feel like you're making a real connection with developers there. I literally met someone 
um, when I was on my way to the conference because I got lost walking there <laughs> and I ran into someone who was also an attendee and he was like, Hey, like you can come with me and we can like both go together. I know how to, I know where to go. And so we started talking and like, now he, this person helps run a boot camp in, in Texas. And like, I will be speaking at the boot camp and doing like a workshop with the boot camp oh, and everything. So like cool. these are right. Like I, this is a random person that I did not <laughs> anticipate running into. And like, these are the kind of like opportunities that come from this. And I think that is just so amazing. It's something so special about being able to do this work. Um, I, I really enjoy it. It's like my favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I think it's, it's just good to hear like how passionate you are about all of this, because I think anyone that's listening that might be on the fence or as you <laughs> afraid of people throwing tomatoes or like afraid of negative feedback. Like, I really don't think that that's as common as people. Yeah. Think. Yeah, for sure. Um, like people just kind of want to boost each other and help each other. And, and it's, it's good to see that there's kind of like the face of that community with people like you that have found their way that can, can kind of like shed light on how, um, how just great it can be like how how much happiness it gives you and fulfillment um to be able to combine all those different aspects with what you're doing and it's not for everyone like I yeah. I had someone on the podcast a couple of shows ago that was like I don't I don't have any social media I'm not anywhere online like he does contribute to open source but just doesn't have a profile or doesn't try to like build any of that and I was like I think it's important to also shed light on that side of things and like don't feel the yeah, pressure sure. if that's not for you but if it's something yeah. you're wanting to get into there's so many resources and so many ways to do that and so I appreciate you sharing like how great that's been for you because it just I mean it makes me excited just even listening so I'm sure anyone else is gonna be like okay I can do this <laughs> yeah 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 for sure I feel like my career thus far is living proof that like anybody can do this because if I can do it anyone can seriously <laughs> that's awesome um well hey I know we're kind of coming up on time here I, one last thing that I always love to ask people that's just kind of a fun question is um if there's any like technology or frameworks or anything like that that you're super excited about right now or that you know is coming in a few months or something that you've had on the list that you want to learn I think there's always so 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 much happening in tech yeah. and be, kind of like it's like where do I begin or what should I be focusing on so I always love to ask people that yeah so I've been working with Next.js recently um I have this project that I that has been my idea for a really long time I am a super huge k-pop fan okay <laughs> and and like a lot of k-pop fans buy a lot of like albums because k-pop albums are like different from regular albums they come with like posters and they they're really pretty and have good decorations and like little freebies in them and stuff. So I like to buy them, but cool. yeah, the thing is number one, they're expensive because they're coming imported from Korea. And then also it is very hard to keep up with them because a lot of them have multiple versions. And I have the habit of sometimes buying the same album more than once accidentally. <laughs> so I want to build an app that will let me like keep track of the albums that I'm building, keep track of the prices and all that kind of stuff that I'm building, that I'm buying and keep track of the pricing and keep track of the ones that I've bought, the ones I want to buy, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I happen to be on a team that lets me do silly things like that <laughs> as long as I get to like use our APIs and things like that. So I've been working with Next.js so that I can eventually build that thing. Oh, um, cool. And I'm going to be extremely dramatic and extra with it and like build all the features that I want because I'm literally actually going to use this. So um, I've been little by little like starting from like 
very simple applications. Like I just built like a random um, course page with Next.js. That's like, it's literally a, a, a page, a course for my favorite K-pop group. Oh, wow. But I built this to like, get me used to building a Next.js app from scratch. So now I'm going to start working on my, my little K-pop app um, next. So yeah, it's Next.js that I've been working with. That that's I'm really awesome. excited about. I love yeah. that. I mean, the, that's the best way to go about building something and learning something is like, what are you really passionate about? And then yeah. on top of that, where do you have a need in your life? And like, what's something, even if it seems like a niche thing, if it's something that could help you, it'll definitely be able to help other people. So yeah. it's, like, it's like, don't just build something just for the sake of writing about it, do something that's actually useful. So I think that's really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You get it. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing. And thank you so much for taking time. Um, to chat on our podcast today. I know you have a lot going on. Um, I'll be sure to put in the show notes, like a link to your Twitter and your website okay, if you want to connect. Um, but yeah, other than that, really appreciate it. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Select Star, your resource for innovative technology and developer topics. You can find our episodes in all the usual places, Spotify, Apple, Google, RSS, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, and share. You can learn more about HarperDB at harperdb.io.